Okay, so welcome to episode 69 of Cloud Conversations. I am your host, Harvey Banks. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you've said, Alexa, play Cloud Conversations. First of all, I thank you. Secondly, please go ahead and give this a five-star rating. Share this with a friend. Let the tech companies know that this is the type of content that you like to consume on a Monday morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you might be consuming this. So I feel like I got to give a warning today um, just because the topics on today's show are a little bit triggering. Um, And I say that because it kind of I've been avoiding like one of these conversations for a long time or at least for a week or so. But I had it on another podcast and I feel like that may have prepared me to finally go into how I really feel on this one. So like if you get triggered or easily or, you know, I'm already kind of losing my words thinking about it. So. Yeah, today could be kind of deep, triggering, and uncomfortable for a little bit. We're going to do the segment of shit I don't care about, but probably should. That's where it's going to get kind of tense. After that, we're going to talk about sexual fluidity. And then after that, we're going to have a brief conversation about couples therapy. The TV show. Like, I'm not in couples therapy, but you you know what I mean. Um, But first, we're going to play some music here to kind of set the tone, set the vibe a little bit. You know how I like to do it. Especially if you're getting this on a Monday morning before you're heading to work. Let me give you some tunes to send you on your way. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, you're about to hear the most generic track that you've probably ever heard. Just because YouTube doesn't let me play the jams. It's Cloud Conversations. This is episode 69. Let's get this thing started. Hello Jesus, Jesus children, Jesus loves you, Jesus children, hello children, Jesus loves you of America. Are you hearing what he's saying? Are you feeling what you're praying? Okay, so there's no real easy way to kind of get out of that song. That's one of my all-time favorite songs, but like, it just kind of feels different today. So let me just get this out of the way. Um, On shit I don't care about, but I probably should. Um, We're going to be discussing the school shooting that took place in Texas. Now, let me start with the shit I don't care about first. And let me explain why I don't care about it. And then I'll kind of get deeper into my thoughts about the situation that we're in and where my concern actually does lie. Uh, The first thing I can say without a shadow of a doubt is I do not care about your constitutional rights to bear arms. Because, like, that's not what really gun legislation is. So, like, when people say we need gun legislation to prevent tragedies such as this happening, you do know that, like, they don't think that, like, if you legislate that we ban assault rifles, there will be no more school shootings or mass shootings, period. Right? Like, you know we're not saying that. Like... What we're saying is you don't have a need for an assault rifle. And in every one of these instances where the death toll just gets out of control, 
it involves an assault rifle. So what we're saying is you have no need for an assault rifle. Therefore, we should be able to just ban assault rifles. That's not the first step to taking away your civil liberties to own guns. And you're smart enough to know the difference between like making things more efficient and secure and completely abolishing something. And let me give you an example just in case you're an idiot and you don't understand, right? So while driving a car, you can wreck and kill yourself, right? So they legislated the fact that you have to wear these seat belts because the data showed that when you're wearing a seat belt and you wreck, you have a better chance of surviving. No one said that even if you have that, though you have a seatbelt on, you'll never die if you wreck. People with seatbelts on still wreck and still die. But no one walks into Congress and says, see, I know someone that wore a seatbelt and died. So therefore, we should not have rules telling people to wear seatbelts. So, so you do understand the nuance and the difference, right? So like when it comes to your basic right to bear arms, why should there be no rules attached to that when there's literally rules attached to everything else? Like you, you have to qualify more things to get an actual license to drive a car than you do in some states to go and buy an AR-15. Don't nobody find that weird. Like, let's just use some common sense. And I don't give a shit what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're liberal. I don't care if you're conservative. I really don't care. And if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know I don't care. I don't care what side you're on. But sometimes there's these little common sense moments that happen that like you just feel like, hey, this is kind of obvious, right? And by the way, if you're a legally carrying gun owner, wouldn't you, why are you so against a better process in obtaining the licenses? Like, I don't, I just don't understand it. But like, the more I think about it, it puts me in the cat or it puts you in the category of, I don't care. I don't care what fucking reason you're going to give me that you should be able to own an assault rifle. I just don't care. What I do care about is this. What what do we expect these kids? How do we expect these kids to feel? And I know like we've been sending like prayers and thoughts to like the families of loved ones that lost kids and stuff. But like think about the kids that witnessed their friends and their peers getting murdered. So like I've got some experience with like having classmates die, not in a situation like that. And so has my son, like he had a classmate when he was in seventh grade, passed away from cancer and the school was great about it. And they provided counselors to talk to the kids if they needed to talk to just so they could have a better understanding of what they were feeling and why. Right. But like that was like three days. So my question is this. 
these kids are never going to be the same. No. So, like, what is the plan therapy wise and just their well-being, like making them. They're going to have to go back to school in the fall. How are they supposed to feel going in school when like it's like it's not safe? And I was I was on another podcast and I I was like, but the thing that just drives me nuts and it's got me starting my words because it just gets me it gets me upset. I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of children, man. And I I just couldn't imagine one of my kids having that feeling that their life could be in danger at a place where they shouldn't be thinking about any of that. And that's what bothers me so much, I believe, is that because like I distinctly remember the moment that like I understood that my innocence and my youth would not save my life. And that was during the Columbine shooting. And that was across the country. And I was in elementary school. But I remember that shit like it was yesterday. Because for the first time in my life, I thought to myself, and I think I was eight or nine, and I thought to myself, I'm not safe. So a kid could get mad at us in school and just start shooting the school. And it changed how I looked at kids at school. Problem kids and weird kids and all of that. Remember the trench coats? Like, why is he wearing a trench coat? Like, it was a problem. And so I'm thinking about now the fact that, like, these kids are going to have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. But even closer to right now, like, they're going to have to walk into school into the fall and see nothing but constant reminders and get re-traumatized by the fact that someone came in their school and murdered their friends. What do we do with that? How do we how can we do nothing with that? This seems like so. These are the things and these are the days that makes me want to be like. Take my kids out of fucking school. Let me homeschool them because I feel like I can keep them safer. If nothing else, I know that I would lay my life down for them. And I know that when they're with me or in my care, they know that. So that's that's enough. Like that's enough for me and enough for them. Because kids shouldn't have to like go through this anywhere. Just so you can have the right to own an assault rifle. And if you really need to know what the difference between an assault rifle and a handgun is handgun, shotgun, homie can still go in there and he might kill four, maybe five. Someone's going to have an opportunity to get to him. An assault rifle, the damage is done by the time you hear the shots. Let's change something, please. I don't know. Like, it's just seems like a basic fucking ask. Like, ah, I don't know, man. That shit gets me worked up. I'm going to take a drink of water real quick just because I don't know how to transition to this next topic. And I just need to get out of this topic. It's hot as shit in here now, too. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm sweating. I'm I'm hot. It's yeah. That's probably the most upset I've gotten doing a podcast ever in my life, which is crazy. Uh, moving on. Speaking of podcasts, let me talk about another podcast. Uh, 
so Joe Button, which is one of my Joe Button podcast, one of my favorite podcasts out there. I don't care what you think about Joe, but like super entertaining. And I listen absolutely regularly. Right. So Joe Button podcast, one of my favorite podcasts and one of my favorite artists, Isaiah Rashad, had a good sit down conversation. So I fucking love Isaiah Rashad albums, musical talent out of this world. And recently a video, a private video came out of him sexually that involved him and multiple men right so obviously i'll just be honest hip-hop i love hip-hop i live hip-hop it's not always the most accepting space and i understand that so when this first came out i was super worried about isaiah just because i was like e yeah hip-hop's not pop or r&b or any of those other genres where you can almost come out and get more so fanfare, more support and things like that. Not that they're doing it for that or nothing crazy, but just to kind of give a comparison of the two. So when the video came out, I was like, damn, bro, not Isaiah. As in, like, I know they're not about to try to do this to my mans, right? One, first of all, like, first off, first of all, all of that shit. I don't care. What he does in his bedroom and with whom I don't care. It's none of my business. If he's gay, he's gay. If he's straight, he's straight. If he's bi, he's bi. If he's just curious, he's I don't care because the house is burning. The album is so good. I don't give a damn. Like it didn't change anything for me. But like I do know that I have the privilege of like. I've been exposed to a bunch of stuff throughout my life. So I'm a little more accepting than most people, especially when it comes to a lot of different things. So for me, my my main concern was for Isaiah. A, I don't think anybody should be outed like that. That's just that's just just foul. And then B, I just hoped he was okay. Like I know he's not he wasn't okay with it coming out when it did and in the fashion that it did. But it was something I was hoping he was going to be able to work himself through and continue to do what he does, I think, best or best for us, which is the music. It might not be best for him or give him what it gives us. But like, yeah, I was just hoping he could continue that. So he did a sit down interview. Uh, I seen him at Coachella. He performed at Coachella. I was watching the stream. I didn't go to Coachella. But like he comes out on the stage and I didn't know if he was going to actually do the show or not because no one had seen or heard from him. And like. He goes into the first song. Crowd is supporting him. I think in that moment, he realized, like, there's something really powerful in just being you, right? Being yourself. So we build these things up to be like these fears of like, what is people going to think of me? What do they already think of me? And how is this going to change that? And is this going to affect things? And so when he came out and starts performing the first song, the crowd is giving him so much love that like sometimes we're so afraid of the hate that like we'll never consider the fact that it could be love out there. And I think the love smacked him in the face because like midway through the first song, he's rapping these words with tears coming down his eyes. And I'm like, bro, I almost shed a tear like, oh, he sees it. He's feeling the love, and that's a great thing. So he, fast forward to the interview now. Joe asked a couple of questions that I was kind of 
interested in. So like in it, Joe straight up asked him, how do you identify? And lately I've been really interested in like different identifications and kind of what they mean just because like, I'm just interested in shit like that. Right. And I love people exploring themselves and going on these journeys and coming to these conclusions that I don't know. And that's okay. Right. So his response to Joe was that like, he's, he's, he thinks he's sexually fluid as in like these kind of experiences are new to him. And it's been recent that it started, but like, he doesn't know, he doesn't control like when he walks in a room, who he's attracted to, whether it be a man or a woman. And he doesn't really know how to. And and Joe tried to like, Joe was like suggesting that maybe you're pansexual, which that's a word I just learned a couple years ago too. I'm not going to go into what it means because I don't know the full definition of those. But like what I want to stick with is like the sexual fluidity for a second. Um, A lot of y'all are sexually fluid and you just either a don't know it or you're just too afraid to kind of open up and say it. And that's okay too. So like, I think sexual fluidity means a bunch of different things. And I personally don't think it just means multiple genders. Like I'd have sex with a woman and I'd have sex with a man because for me, I've never had an attraction to a man. That's just me personally. But I believe that like when it comes to the sexual nature, I'm kind of fluid too when it comes to the type of women I like. So like a lot of men will say they have types and women do too. And I don't think that those are bad words. The things that you're attracted to. Some of them are more defined for some people. Like some people are just really into redheads or some people have this real sexual desire for bigger women and things. So for me, I don't know. (laughs) Literally it spans across I love big women. I love small women. I love black women. I love white women. I love Latina women. I like, I don't know. I, if you were to ask me to decide what my type was, I have no idea. And I never know. And I can't quite explain what attracts me to a woman. So I could walk into a room with 20 women and I could let people try to guess which one I'm attracted to. And people might look at simply their physical features or this or that. And then I could I would be like, nah, I like shorty over there. And they'd be like, really? Why? I like her freckles or just something strange like that. Like, I've always been open to whatever attracts me, attracts me. I don't give a fuck what it's like, what it looks like in the traditional sense. You know what I mean? And so, like, I think the hard thing that people are coming to is like perhaps I think people are afraid to explore what that means, like sexually fluid, because in their mind and in their attraction, it may go deeper than what the basic little shit I just described for me personally. Right. So for some of them, they may have a deep desire or attraction for like a trans woman. And I think this is going to come up a whole lot, a whole lot more coming up. And I just hope that like they don't try to mask their attraction for a trans woman in an ultra masculine way or something like that or put like 
caveats on it. Yeah, but sh- but but like she or but nah, bro, you just attracted and that's cool. And like I think if more people could say stuff like that, then more things of this nature would be accepted. Now, final words on that. My man said that like somebody close to him leaked the footage. And so he was dealing with like the heartbreak of betrayal. Whether you know the person, don't know the person, none of that. Wife, ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, ex-husband. If at any time you're in a sexual encounter and you're recording it and y'all both cool with recording it because I'm a freaky nigga too and let's record it, right? Under no circumstances should you put that video out. I don't care what happens. Especially not out of spite. You corny for that. Period. Period. I take the sexual shit real serious. So if you come and play in the sexual arena with me, I need you to be a grown up. And you got to play by the code, bro. Like that shit was corny. So whoever leaked that shit, corny. And should be reminded every time anybody sees them that they're corny. Um. Easy transition into this next topic. I've been watching, uh, well, shit, I watched it. Couples Therapy on Showtime is like my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows. And recently, I just ran through, I think it was season four, two days. So basically, couples will go and sit down with the therapist. And the, the, they'll just be, they'll be on the verge of it being the end of their relationship. I believe they go for eight weeks. But in these sessions, they really get into some deep things, some deep. I don't want to say emotions, but like in therapy, sometimes the things that you never thought you would say out loud jump out. And it a it makes for great fucking TV. But B, I think it also makes for great healing and it opens like forces open new lines of communication, which I love. So. One of the couples really sticks out to me and I'm going to talk about women being toxic for a minute, just absolutely toxic because she was the worst. So let me give you guys a timeline of this relationship. I think they got married eventually, but so she starts talking first. The waterworks comes. She's super emotional. I look at the husband and I'm paying attention to him. Because like they show this little part where it's like uh, it's like the bullpen or something. I don't know. Before they go in the room, there's a camera out there and he kind of whispers under his breath to the wife like, so are we going to tell them? Are we going to tell her everything? And the wife was like, yeah, and gave him this look. And he was just like, oh, OK. I found that weird instantly. And I was like, that's strange. But OK, what did he do? This is about to get wild. So she jumps out and leads first. And she's like, we started dating. We hooked up. We were in a relationship. She gets pregnant. He then, she then catches him texting a coworker, a, another woman. And like, it got beyond like co-work, co-worker text. But I didn't get the sense that they ever had sex or anything like that. Because she didn't say that specific. Like, he was basically talking to another woman while she was pregnant. So... Her response to finding out that he was talking to another woman while she was pregnant was to get an abortion. 
Yeah, no, yeah, you heard that correctly. It was to get an abortion. Extreme, but that's kind of your thing. Right. So I'm like, that's kind of wild, but okay. She goes on about how he betrayed her and it destroyed her and she couldn't look at him. She couldn't look at him the same, blah, blah, blah. So then he starts talking. And so he was like, yeah. So after that, she got addicted to drugs. She, oh, no, no, no. Prior to getting addicted to drugs, she reconnected with someone from high school, a girl that she had a relationship with in high school. 15, 20 years later, they reconnect. It becomes sexual. So she starts cheating on him with this girl. She then gets addicted to, to like pain pills, I believe it was. Wrecks her car. While addicted to the pain pills, he stays with her, stays by her side. Old flame with the girl kind of flames out. She then starts messing with the guy that was one of her students. And I don't know if this is college, high school. I don't know what it is. But the way the husband said one of your students was kind of like eh, foul, but whatever. He then says, I asked her to stop the relationship with the student. And she told me she would. But then. It continued. It happened again. She told me she'd stop. It continued. I just recently caught her doing it again. When I asked her to stop, her response was, I just can't. And so. A couple things here. One. If you're going to try to tell your story. To put yourself in this victim role, you better make sure you're actually the victim. Because I could sense while she was talking, she was just putting a little bit too much sauce on it to try to make herself not look and or feel as bad. She's using big words when she could use small words like cheater. Like at one point she was like, we had a rendezvous. Bitch, you cheated. Just say that. Like, but you don't want to say these. We do this stuff. We don't want to, to, uh, to attach these words and characteristics to us when we feel like we're in the wrong. So I understood what she was doing. But like the messed up part about it was she had spent the better part of last year trying to make him or brainwashing him into believing it's all his fault. And like she's he's the reason she's unhappy and all she wanted from him was to act like he's a very calm guy. Like you could tell he's just a calm dude. He avoids confrontation. And all she wanted was that confrontation you never even tell me how you feel you don't even tell me when it hurt you this this, and that so how was i supposed to know if you cared or not and then like at one point he he blurt he, he goes and he tells i fucking hated it i still think about it yes i didn't like it i asked you to quit he's going and telling exactly how he feels the therapist looks at the woman and is like how do you feel hearing this and her response was i call bullshit and it's like, you're complaining that your husband doesn't open up to you. He then jumps out the window to open up to you. And your response is, this is bullshit. That's wild. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain how wild to me that sounds. Like, what are you doing? It's communication. Then there was another couple on there, just to jump around for a minute, that like, they started off the episode with we haven't had sex in a year. And 
it started off with one saying that she, if she couldn't have if she couldn't get sex, she couldn't stay married. But it ended with the other trying to multiple occasions to give her sex. But like she wouldn't take it. So, for example, like. The woman that's more motherly, it's it's a lesbian couple. She was like, well, I came home from work early because she's always complaining about not having sex. And I set up this scenario for her just to have sex. And like we didn't end up having sex. The one that was complaining about not getting sex was like, well, yeah, because like I could just tell if we had sex, you was going to be over the moon. And like, what if I didn't feel the same way after the sex? Like, what if it didn't blow my mind? So I'd rather not do it. Soon as she said that, that was code. And I got the code instantly. The code is I'm not attracted to you anymore. But like. Those are words that you just can't say in a relationship. Because like that puts the onus or the, the, the bad guy label on you. And I understand why people are afraid to say those things. But like eventually through like eight weeks, she finally said that out loud. Well, I think the problem is I'm just not attracted to you. My point was, why did it take eight weeks to get there? It's because people don't know how to communicate. Communication. Communication is the key to every relationship friendship whatever communicate sometimes it's not always pretty sometimes it's very uncomfortable sometimes it's yelling sometimes it's cussing sometimes you don't feel like talking to that person afterwards but you know what feels better than that never having to guess how somebody feels communication is the key and it's important and that's what i'll leave you with this week if you're married, if you're in a relationship, friendships, work, co-workers, whatever. This week, try to communicate at a level that's higher than you've been communicating. And we could all get better at it. So, like, even if you think you're a great communicator, communicator you could do better. And that's what we want to do this week. We want to do better. Uh, my time is up. My time is up. My time is up. Man, uh... This one was a great episode because it's got me sweating. It's got me hot, uh, got me emotional. Yeah. So, again, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, wherever, five-star ratings, suggest it to a friend. Let's build this on Instagram. Just went blank. At Cloud Conversations Pod on Instagram. This has been episode 69 of Cloud Conversations. I'm your host, Harvey Banks. Thank you for staying with me through all of this rambling. 70 is going to be a little more organized and I'll calm down a little bit. Have a good night or day or evening, whatever.